Welcome to the Westminster Chapel podcast. For more information and to support our mission to London and beyond, please visit westminsterchapel.org.uk. Welcome to the Westminster Chapel podcast. For more information and to support our mission to London and beyond, please visit westminsterchapel.org.uk. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit." Father God, thank you for this word. Thank you for your holy and perfect word. I pray that now we would uh, be blessed through through God's preaching and that you would be speaking uh, in him and through him. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Tyson always reads uh, so well. And didn't Stephen do well with the dedications? I'm always so grateful that I've moved on from baby dedications in terms of they always would cry every time I held him. So it's quite nice to have that responsibility given and Stephen's got that magic touch. Uh, We are, uh, for those who are guests and for those of you members, we're in a series uh, and we're we're, we're in a series which is looking at the, called Heart Cry, um, journeying after God's own heart through prayer. And uh, in terms of heart cry, I've I don't know what you think of when you hear that expression, heart cry, because uh, what is the human heart cry? What is your heart cry this morning? I was, uh, we, Heather and I have just returned from uh, overseas. We were this time last week in Mexico City. Uh, the week before that, we were in uh, Texas. And uh, we, would, we would say this, um, the common heart cry in America was more. <laughs> Wherever you seem to go, I mean, you drove in their cars and you realize we in Britain live in Toy Town with our cars when you go to America. You know, we, we drive these tiny little things. America, well, we've got more. Put a double bed in this car, you know, it's got a lot of space. And you go out for food and you get this mountain of food put out. And you get them sort of requesting, can I have some more here, please? Can I have some more onion rings? I need, I need something more in this burger. It's a little small. I've only got three lots of stacks. Could do with six, and I mean, it's like, whoa, they eat. And we want more, more money, want more wall, more bricks in our wall for Mexico. We want more guns. How many guns have they got? Civilians have got 393 million guns. <laughs> that's quite a few, isn't it? I mean, that's probably more guns than the sort of Second World War. I mean, it's just like, whoa, what's going on here? Then we flew to Mexico. Go to Mexico, and the cry, in all seriousness, is less. We want less 
killings. We want less of the narcos controlling our streets and our cities. Everywhere you go, I, we're driven around by a guy who worked for the CIA in a reinforced great big people carrier, uh, which was apparently bomb-proof, bulletproof. I mean, you needed to be George Atkinsmith just to open the door. It's so heavy, just pulling this thing open. It was everything they were saying. We want less fear, less corruption in our government, less corruption in our police force. It was less. And uh, I wondered this morning, I, just, I was thinking this morning, I was walking into church, what, are, what is Britain's heart cry? <laughs> what are we, if you were to caricature us, I was thinking, I, I wrote down, I think we'd probably, we'd probably say, not good enough. We tend to complain in England, don't we? We don't ever seem to be happy. You know, the weather, well, the weather is not that good. It's just too cold. It's just too rainy. Oh, it's sunshine. It's too hot. <laughs> we, we just seem to be able to sort of spill out with the grumble, don't we? How's the tube? Is it tube this morning? I'd say it's terrible. You know, the northern line's been cancelled. Terrible. There's queues everywhere. We just, we just want to... And I love the way Peter Kay, when he's talking about food, do you know how English people, when we're having our food, we, we grumble? I'll tell you what, this food's rubbish in here. This, this gravy, it's like water, and uh, this steak is like a piece of rubber. And then the waitress comes over, everything all right? Oh, everything's fine. <laughs> Just fine, perfect, lovely, lovely, thank you. It's true, isn't it? There's a truism in that, that we tend to sort of like always complain. And when we come to church, I don't know what your expectation this morning, because I know there are a number of guests in here this morning. I don't know what your expectation for church is this morning, but church in the UK is a little bit like a night in the museum, an old museum. You, you, you can typically go to church, and you might be thinking this is going to be your experience this morning. If you're a visitor the first time, I think, I know exactly what I, I want to expect. And when you typically come to church, you're, you're gr- greeted by somebody, uh, uh, welcome to church, come, come on in. Uh, we have lots of displays we'd like to show you. And uh, this one is a creation. Uh, oh, it looks like the deer's been eaten by the snake and, and the parrots are a bit moth-eaten. So come over here and here we have Noah's Ark. Except on Noah's Ark, we've only got a little bit of wood and the stuffed seagull's fallen over. Oh, oh, come to the Ten Commandments over here. Here we have a copy of the Ten... Oh, someone's graffitied who cares on it and there's a bit of bubble gum. Uh, no, no, come, come over here. Here's, here's, here's David's sword, David, Goliath's sword. And we, we can't move it anymore because you need some WD-40. You haven't got any WD-40 left. So it's a bit stuck, I'm afraid. But uh, no, no, no. Come to the New Testament. The New Testament is much better, much better. Come into this. Media. Oh, here we have, here we have the manger. Uh, a 40-watt bulb plays the part of Jesus in this one. But uh, kids can put on these little rags and uh, play the part. And now, now over here is the nets of the fishermen. And then we come, we come to the cross. This is the first favourite piece. Everybody loves the cross. Nice cross made, made specially for this museum. And then, then finally, we come to the Shekinah glory. I just, I just press this button here. 
it used to be lots of lights, but you know what the cost of electricity is like these days. So we've got an energy-saving 40-watt bulb, and we just press it, and that's the Shekinah glory. Thank you for coming. Have a great day. Enjoy the rest of your week. That's a sort of a little bit of how people expect church to be these days. And then we hear Tyson reading the scriptures this morning, talking about the Spirit of the Lord being present in a meeting and where the Spirit of the Lord there is freedom. You have to ask this question, and I want to ask this question this morning in a number of ways. Why is it, why is church so boring? Why is church so safe? What is going on? And it seems to me that the issue that Paul is dealing with in writing to a church in Corinth was that he was saying there is a an issue of veils. There is an issue of not being able to see clearly what God wants to be seen clearly. And so I want to look this morning very briefly at three areas that God would probably want to talk to us as a church, Westminster Chapel, but also challenge all of us in. And the first thing is this. There is, in this passage, a veil that is of Moses, the veil of Moses. It says, we are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. What the writer here, and because many of us have not had a Christian upbringing, what the writer here is referring back to is a story of the Prince of Egypt, the show that's showing uh, just down in the West End. The story of Moses. Moses was a leader called by God to lead God's people out of Egypt, out of slavery, into the freedom. And uh, there was lots of miracles that happened. There was the parting of the Red Sea. There was the feeding of manna and quail. And the story goes, as, they, as Moses leads this people, he leads them to a mountain, Mount Sinai. And on that mountain, he received the law, the Ten Commandments that we know today, and uh, brought that back down into, into the camp. And when he re-enters the camp, he finds that the, the children of Israel have turned their back on God so quickly, and we're now worshipping an idol. But Moses climbs the mountain. Moses builds a tent, and this was a tent where Moses would go and meet with God. He was hungry for the living God, not the God of an idol. He was for the God that was all-powerful, the God who created. And as Moses would go into this tent, he would come out, and his face would literally be shining, shining with the glory of God. And because that shiningness would just start to disappear. He put a veil over his face so people couldn't see a diminishing amount of glory on his face. And what I see in this and what I want to encourage us into as a church as we consider prayer, that Moses was hungry for more of God. Moses wasn't satisfied with a little glimpse of God. He wanted more and more. His prayer was, show me your glory. There was an expectancy in Moses that I believe we as the church have so often lost. 
That when it comes to prayer, we think we know how to pray. We want to bring our petitions. We want to thank God for his grace. We want to do certain things. But there is no sense of expectancy that God could do anything and anything he wanted with his people. And I want to challenge us this morning as we gather on a Sunday morning, as we gather Sunday by Sunday. Do you gather with expectancy? Because God says in this passage that where the Spirit of the Lord there is freedom... And there should be freedom every time the church gathers. A freedom for the body to minister in the power of the Spirit. Freedom for healing people's physical bodies to be healed. Freedom for people who are under sort of pressure or mental pressures to be, find a grace and a, and a liberty. There should be freedom for people to respond and find goodness and love and mercy from God in heaven. But so often we are... Veil. We seem to have a veil on our faces, a veil that we can't see what God wants to do. So I wanted to challenge us right at the beginning in this prayer series to have a spirit of expectancy. And I want to contrast that with the second point of the Israelites had an expectation. They were satisfied with idols. It says in this next verse, their minds, this is the Israelites' minds, were made dull. And to this very day, a veil remains when the old covenant is read. Paul says that there's another veil. There's the veil of Moses, which he wore to, to hide the fading glory. But there was another veil that was over the minds of the children of Israel, the people of God, the Jews, the Israelites. And this is a veil of unbelief. This is a veil of wanting God in their own way, in their own manner. It's an expectation veil. You see, as Moses is up on the mountain, show me your glory, down in the valley, the people are are saying, hey, Aaron, can you knock us out a God, please? A God like the one that we know how it operates. We know how to religiously operate with idols. Make us, so they took off their rings, their bangles, their, their, their jewelry. They threw it into the fire. Aaron then crafted a golden calf and said to them, right, here's your God, worship him. It took the secular, they took the secular and made it sacred. A God that was on their terms, a God that was in a box, a God that would do what they wanted to do, and a God that understood the boundaries between humanity and deity. You see, when we look at our world today, our world is very, very religious. Most of the world is religious. Most of the world are following some deity or other, but in common with each other, their deities are deities that operate in this boundary there's a secular and a sacred. There's, a, there's this sense of actually we'll live our lives and we'll do our religious bit and God, in return, you do your bit. We want to be in the picture. We want to be, have a God that is safe and deliverable and doing what we want to do. And you can see this so often. I've, I've, I've taken many, many funerals and you've gone to funerals and the most common song chosen at funerals is I did it my way. 
I've lived my life my way. But now, now we come to the God bit, and I'm dying, and I'm going through a door, and now we're expecting God. I've been a quite a good person. I've been to church a few times. I've said a few Hail Marys. I've gone on that pilgrimage to Mecca, whatever it might be. And now, God, I've done enough now for you to do your bit. God, on our terms. We're not expecting God to do anything outside of the normal. We know exactly how God should behave. We'll tell God how he should behave. But Paul says this isn't the God that's been revealed in Christ. All religions have veils and put veils so that we do not see the true, wonderful, majestic God that's spoken of here and in the Bible. So there is a battle, thirdly, to remove the veil. And uh, their minds were made dull, and to this day the veil remains. It is now being removed because only in Christ can the veil be taken away. Even to this day when Moses read, a veil covers their hearts, but when anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And if you turn into 2 Corinthians 4 as well, it says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Paul wants everyone to know. He wanted the Corinthians to know. Uh, God's word wants us to know this morning that only in Christ can a veil be taken away so we can see God for who he truly is? That every other uh, effort that we make, every other idol that we try and follow will let us down, but only in Christ can a veil be removed, the veil that blinds us from seeing God as he truly is. And it's in Christ this veil is removed. Paul, a few chapters earlier in in 1 Corinthians, says this, What I received I passed on to you as first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the Twelve, and he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters who are still, most of them are still living at this time. Here's the wonderful truth of the gospel. This is the truth that the church of Jesus Christ stands on, that Jesus is alive. We base our faith, we root our faith on a real historical Jesus. A person who claimed to be God incarnate to show us exactly what God is like. He, people, his disciples says, we have seen the glory, the glory of the one and only. We have stood in the presence of God like Moses did on that mountaintop. We've stood in his presence and he is glorious. And they saw him de- dead, killed. They saw him buried. And then 500 of them saw, 500 eyewitnesses, that's quite a number, isn't it? Saw him alive again after that event. And they went on to transform our world. This story has gone down through the ages that Jesus Christ is alive. And that he died, that death he died. He died for sin once and for all. 
the righteous for the unrighteous in order to bring us to God, in order for the veil to be lifted and us to understand what God, the God of heaven, the God of the universe, the creator God is really, really like. And he is glorious. See, a lot of religions, even Christianity, can settle for a religion without glory. But our faith is all about encounter. Our faith is all about presence. Our faith is all about encountering encountering him and his glory. 2 Corinthians 3.18, behold the glory of the Lord. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6, for God who said, let the light shine out of darkness has shone his light into our hearts to give us the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So let me just illustrate this by a story. In the late 1920s, post-World War I, our country was asking big questions about God. How could God allow such horrors that we saw in World War I? And a group of uh, authors met in Oxford in a pub uh, to explore the old myths, the old ways, the old stories and one of these authors was a guy called J.R.R. Tolkien who confronted another author, a man called C.S. Lewis, with the reality of the historical Jesus. Lewis was to write soon after that, you must picture me alone in my room in Magdalen, night after night, feeling whenever my mind lifted, even for a second from my work, the steady, unrelenting approach of him who I so earnestly desired not to meet. That which I greatly feared had at last come upon me. In the Trinity term of 1929, I gave in and admitted that God was God and knelt and prayed. He wrote about that event sometime later. He said this, to at last be summoned inside the door would be both glory and honour beyond all our merits and also for that healing of that old ache. C.S. Lewis encountered the risen Jesus Christ and his life was never the same. He wrote some fantastic book, Mere Christianity, being a great exploration and undertaking of the truths of this Christian message. John, the disciple, said, We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only. Glory. Glory means beauty. It means awe. It means wonder. It's the sort of thing we talk about. Awe, when we stand in front of Niagara Falls, when we, we, we see a beautiful sunset, we're awed by the majesty and the beauty, and that is the God that we are called to worship. And so I want to encourage us this morning as we begin a year of prayer and seeking after God for a greater expectancy of glory. Verse 18, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. 
And then in verse 6 of chapter 4, For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Jesus Christ. Prayer is our means of access into greater glimpses of glory. Why do we make so much of prayer? Why this Wednesday have we got a night of prayer? Because as we gather to pray, we're not gathering just to bring our petitions. We're not gathering just to pray about the coronavirus. We're not just gathering to pray about the problems in the world out there. We're gathering to encounter the living God. Why are we gathering this morning to worship? Why in a few minutes will we return back to worship? Isn't that a waste of time? No, because we are gathering to ask God for his light to shine in the darkness and for his glory to be revealed in this place. Paul's labor for every church was an ever-increasing expectancy of glory. Ephesians 3.26, to him be glory in the church. We want church to be glorious because God comes and visits us with his presence and we see something of the presence and awed and wonder as God moves amongst us. We enter through the door through prayer. We are pregnant with expectancy. We come like a pregnant lady ready for that moment of birth, expectant for God to move amongst his church. Is that your heart this morning? Have you come this morning thinking, well, we know exactly what's going on. We know who's going to be saying that. We just know everything will go on the way it's gone on for years. Or are you expecting that God could move? God could move in this place. God could save people in this place. God could rescue people. God could heal people in this place. Are you in that mode? Because that's how the Holy Spirit moves upon his people to bring us an an expectancy for glory, an expectancy for God's presence. Are we sensitive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit? Are we this morning building a fire? So often, sadly, have you, I, I like fire building. I've got a, fire, a couple of fires at home. I like building a fire. And, and if you know anything about fires, you, 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 you start with a little bit, a little match that starts to go, and then you build slowly. You add one upon the other, a little twig, a little stick. A, never put a huge log on a little flickering flame. Kills it. You know, when we come to moving in the Spirit, when we come to worship in a few minutes, we're expecting that others will be adding, people who are members of this church will be adding a little stick, a little gift, a little testimony, a little contribution, and the fire of God's glory burns. We pray relationally. Jesus taught us how to pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Jesus said the first thing every prayer begins with is we want presence. We want the presence of God. Jesus has revealed the Father who is in heaven. And we want your presence, Father, here this morning. More than your purposes, more than our petitions, more than our our penances, we want your presence. So I'm encouraging, I'm trying to stir faith in your hearts this morning in terms of an increased expectancy in every one of us. Not an expectation of just a routine, morning, boring church meeting, but an expectancy for God to move. You know, I was listening to uh, Mike Pilavachi just a few weeks ago before we went to America. 
and he was talking about how he brings words of knowledge in a meeting. And he talked about a word of knowledge, which he got the sort of the name of this woman and this, this situation, this woman who was contemplating suicide. And he called her out in a meeting and he said, you're here this morning and God wants to rescue and save you from despair and, and from death and wants to bring you into his family. Where are you? And this woman stands up and comes to the front of the meeting and falls on her knees and gives her life to Christ. I thought, that's the sort of meeting I want to be in. Then Joel Virgo was talking about one of the youth events that he was at where he talked about praying, the the leader leading the whole congregation, say, let's pray for the Holy Spirit to move. Let's just see what the Holy Spirit wants to do. He might want to give languages. He might want to heal. He might want to bring life to certain people. But we're just going to be in the Spirit. So let's just worship him. Let's lift our voices and there was a girl there who brought, who'd brought her friend from Eritrea with her. And she's in this meeting and she feels the Holy Spirit start to bubble up within her to speak in another language, speak in tongues. And so she starts sort of pouring out her heart in tongues and then gets to that moment which all of us get to where you think, this is gobbledygook, this is stupidity. So she gets up and thinks, I'm going to cool off and went to the bathroom. She comes back into the meeting five minutes later and her friend is on the floor sobbing her heart out. And she, she's looking around, someone said something, has, you know, someone hurt her feelings and she kneels down next to her and puts her arm around her and she says to her friend, she said, are you okay? And her friend said to her, where did you learn to speak Eritrean? And she said, I can't. And she said, no, you were praying in Eritrean. And you were praying my family's circumstances and everything that we've been through. And you were petitioning God for my visa, my permanent visa, to come through in Eritrea. And you were praying for my father to be able to join me soon in the UK in Eritrea. And it was, it was such a powerful prayer. A few weeks later, her visa comes through. A few weeks later, her father comes and joins her in the UK. See, it's expectancy expectancy that the Holy Spirit can do whatever he wants to do and I'm finishing this message by saying this for God said let light shine out of darkness you see into the darkness when the world began into darkness into what God spoke and he said let there be light the Holy Spirit today is the Holy Spirit that speaks to the church and says in the darkness of people's confusion, in the darkness of unbelief, let there be light. And the veil is lifted and people can see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's why this church exists, for the glory of Jesus Christ. So we're going to go back into worship. We're going to seek God's face this morning. And I want to just finish by just warning every one of us, we can miss it. We can be preoccupied by other things that we can miss it. Mary and Joseph, they were on their way back having visited Jerusalem. Jesus was left behind. They didn't even know Jesus wasn't even there. You know, church, we can carry on with our meetings and not even realize Jesus isn't even there. When the 
people on the road to Emmaus, and they walked the road to Emmaus, and Jesus drew near. They were telling them all the things that are going wrong, and all the things that they're hoping for, and all their dreams that have been shattered. And only when they broke bread were their eyes open, and they said, didn't our hearts burn within us when Jesus drew near? So here's what my prayer has been for this morning. My prayer has been this, that people who don't know Jesus, their eyes will be open this morning. And they'd find not a God who's far off, judgmental, but a God who has come near, a God who understands your humanity, a God who has died in your place so that you might know the love of a father. My prayer has been that there'll be sick bodies in this place this morning that would be healed. My prayer has been that those who are oppressed of the enemy, those who come in this place feeling condemned and sad and lonely, feeling that their life isn't worth anything, would find today the spirit of the sovereign Lord is here and it's the spirit of freedom. That you would know joy. You would know the wonderful peace of, the, of God Almighty upon your life. And so I want to pray for us as we come back into worship. Will you stand? Holy Spirit, I sense your presence here hovering over us like you did on that very first day of creation, hovering over the waters. And I pray, Lord, let there be light. Let there be light. Let lights be turned on. The lights of your glory, the lights of your presence. Lord, we want your presence. If if your presence doesn't go with us, don't take us out of this meeting. We want your presence more than we want anything else. Come, Holy Spirit. Draw close to every single person, young, old, people who are far off and people who are right close. I pray, would you come close to us? And may we have an expectancy now in our hearts, birthed by the Holy Spirit, that God, you can and will do anything you want and you're free and you want to bring freedom to your sons and daughters this morning so it was for freedom that Christ has set us free Lord move over this meeting bring glory to God we pray in what we say and do now I pray this is what this message is about Lord seeking after you seeking after more of glory seeking after your presence more than anything else God I pray put that in all of our hearts in Jesus name Amen Amen let's worship him Thanks for listening to Sermon Audio from Westminster Chapel. If you'd like to partner with us in making disciples and sharing the gospel, please consider making a one-off or regular donation. Visit westminsterchapel.org.uk forward slash giving to find out how. sermon audio from Westminster Chapel. If you'd like to partner with us in making disciples and sharing the gospel, please consider making a one-off or regular donation. Visit westminsterchapel.org.uk forward slash giving to find out how.